Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is December the 4th, 2016. Yes, and we're already starting on our second week of December. It looks like it's just getting so close. I'm telling you, we're going to be looking at 2017 shortly. Yay. But here with me, sitting with me, going to be discussing about a new movie. I know I've been having all cranked up times with everyone talking about their new movie coming out, and I'm getting excited because I can't wait to see all these great productions. But I'm sitting here today with director Scott Frizzell, and he has a new upcoming practical horror feature called Moggy Creatures. I just love the name of it. Sounds totally cool. And he got some great um, faves in this one. So, Scott, I'm so glad to have you on today. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. You are so welcome. So where are you calling in from? I'm calling you from uh, sunny and clear Los Angeles, California today. Oh, I envy you. You make me. I do. You just had (laughs) to throw that in there, sunny and warm. Okay, because I'm looking at my skies, and they're not sunny or warm. It's cold, and it's rainy. But, I mean, we're not below temp, so that's good. But, no, I'm definitely not looking at any sunny weather whatsoever. But I'm glad to have you on. So you have a new production coming out called Market Creatures. It's a horror film. So tell me, uh, first of all, how do we even get to this idea with this title, Market Creatures? Because I, I love it. It's... Oh, um, well, actually, Moggy is just slang in the U.K. for like a feral cat. And uh, when I started putting this movie together, I was talking to some of my friends here in Los Angeles about making a, a you know, a, a creature feature. And they said, what are the creatures? And I said, cats. And they, everyone kind of, oh. That's not too scary. I said, no, 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 they're, they're, you know, they're monster cats. And eventually the, the guy who did the initial sculpt to make the first monster kept referring to it as a Moggy. He's from Australia. And I kept saying, what are you, what are you calling that? And he said, oh, oh it's a, what we, what we use for, for cat mate. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So, <laughs> but uh, it just sort of stuck. Everyone kept asking, how's that Moggy creature project coming? And that's how we got it. Wow, because when I first turned to one of the pages when I was trying to do a little research on smart creatures, I seen this skinless, oh, hairless cat. It looks, and it looks so ugly. Lord have mercy. Just ugly as ever, buddy. <laughs> I was like, what in the world is going on in this picture? And then you got my girl, Sadie Cat. Um, I had the opportunity to interview her from Wrong Turn 6, and I still, I'm still going to check that out. Cause I'm gonna give you a shout out, Sadie. I'm gonna still check that movie out because I love Wrong Turn. When I first seen, it, I was like, "Wow, yeah, this is my movie." And we got others: Michael Moon, Day of the Dead Two. And I think there are some more. Who are, who else is um starring in this? Some other big names that we probably know of. Well, unfortunately, that is, those are the big names we have on board right now. Um, okay. I had a couple other folks help me out in the trailer. Um, the the other large gentleman there was a great young actor named Joshua Bermudez. I think he's already about to start blowing up all over network TV pretty quick here. So I don't know if he'll, if he'll be available for my little monster movie by the time that gets going. And then uh, one other girl, uh, Joette Marie, is quite fun, and she showed up and did a little bit role for us. Oh, awesome! You got help from all around, from all different parts. Good. I did. Now, I see you're a big fan of two two of my favorite movies. I, I got some favorites, but these are two of mine, Cujo and Gremlin. And speaking of Gremlin, I actually have a, I actually have the Gremlin here. I want it from Six Flags, but I love the Gremlin. My baby's got the little ones. And the only reason why I didn't take theirs, because they, they want it fair and square. But I do love my stuff, Amazon. I love Gremlin. I love Cujo. It's a classic. These are movies I don't even think 
like you could just really just actually just totally forget. Because I was discussing that one day, Scott, on my job about cartoons and stuff, getting off the subject mm-hmm. a little bit. But um, the fact that we grew up on things like Thundercats, um, Popeye the Sailor Man. Um, I was during the time with Nickelodeon, with Nick at Night, so I'm actually telling my age. <laughs> but, I mean, these are things you can actually just um, – you, you can – relate to, you remember the lines from these movies. I don't know about today because everything's changing. You see new cartoons come out, so I don't know what the heck my children going to remember when they grow up. I'm like, we had classics. We did. And Cujo, speaking of movies, was a classic. I love Cujo. I will watch that right now. I sure would. If it come on right now, I'll watch it. I'll watch it so many times. I love Cujo. That's definitely one of the ones that if you're if you're just clicking channels forward and you see it, it's it's got you for the rest of the, the duration. You're going to sit and watch it all the way to the end and even though you know the lines and you know the scares and you know what's going to happen, somehow it has a little bit of magic that keeps you on board. And, and talking about what you said, like what we had when we were kids, um, there's something missing in uh, entertainment right now. And I'm not sure how, how to put my finger on it, but definitely when we had uh, cartoons and monster movies and everything in between, comedies for kids or comedies for adults, I feel like there was, a, there was just a willingness to have a little more fun with everything. And uh, nowadays, it seems like a lot of that's yeah. I was just going to say well, that well, a lot I of do it. stuff it's, it's, it's now seems yeah. It seems like it's very packaged now, and you know one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I chose doing a, a, a creature feature was one I hadn't seen one in a long time, you know, and, and two I just remember like wow those those movies, uh, you know, like you said earlier, they 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 gave us lines that everyone can quote and remember. They make a big impact. You know, was, you know, sometimes they weren't as good as maybe some other, you know, efforts, but certainly there was there was always something to them. You know, people kind of wanted to be right. able to step out of that regular life for a while and, and really, really let their imagination run wild. I think the fact that when those shows were being produced, we kind of made a concept of reality. You could relate better to them than today. As you say, everything is packaged. Um, well, to me, no one's a re- to be honest, no one's original too much now. I mean, everybody's copying off one another. They all have the same scenario, like, okay, I've seen this. And, my God, I am so tired of them making remakes. If they make another remake <laughs> of uh, one of my classics, I'm going to get disappointed. Leave my Michael Myers alone. I was so right? disappointed when they took Michael Myers, had him big and clunky, all that hair. Yeah, he was moving too fast. I said, we loved Mike. Well, I loved Michael. This was my reason because one, he moved slow, and when he caught up with you, like, wait a minute, how are you gonna catch up with Jamie Lee Curtis that quick? Where he come from? Right. He, was just, he was just all the way back. Now all of a sudden, you all the way <laughs> up there with her and stuff, which didn't make any sense whatsoever. I, but now the new one, and, and see, I think what they try to do now with these new remakes, they go back and try to show you, okay, this is why. They ended up being the way they are. Like they did Chucky. They just had did Chucky like that. The last move I caught, they showed why Charles Lee Ray became the way he did. And I was like, mm. okay, so the woman ended up pregnant. So it was like, I, I really don't like when they touch. I didn't even like Chucky when they when they made him a family. I'm like, really? Now you got a wife, <laughs> a kid? How is it all from the killer doll? Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm glad. You know what I thought about when you when I saw the skinless cat or hairless cat, I thought about mm-hmm. Stephen King movie Cat. I think that was the name of the cat. Um, uh, I think that was the name of one of the movie Cat. The I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look it up, make sure I'm not incorrect on the title. Yeah, I'm not, something like that. Not the woman, mind, yeah. Yeah, the woman she didn't like cats at all. Her, her son moved to town and. He was the creature, so I thought about something like that when um when I looked at that one. Um, any particular influential filmmakers that you kind of focused on while doing this production? Uh, no, none in particular. I think uh, what I did was is I thought about all the creature features that I saw growing up that I thought were the best, and I went through and I uh, you know I, I I went through and watched some of those films again and said what are the what are the little nuances that made it really work? You know, like why was I able to believe this creature, you know, which is clearly a puppet, you know, something made by people, but 
on camera suddenly becomes an actual character or a, you know, a real monster. And I just, uh, you know, there's, there's been a, a number of really good movies over the years. So, you know, I can't, uh, I can't focus on any one, but I will say that uh, going back and looking at them all again, I, I'm really impressed just, just how much they accomplished back in the day when, you know, a, a computer really wasn't a tool you could use to, right. to change the images on screen. Like they just said, we got to do this with, you know, a puppet or some animatronics. And it's got to look good, and they and they did it. They just always found a way to do it, you know. And I think right. that, I those, think I think maybe that yeah, was those part were of it. The real creators. Mm-hmm. Those were the real filmmakers. That's where that's how things you. It makes you appreciate what you have now, because now you can film with your phone. You can do anything with your phone or computer now. We have computers where you can write, take a pen on those new computers that flip over and everything. So I really appreciate Alfred Hitchcock. I love that. My professor, he always would focus on those old classics and it made you like, okay. Because mm-hmm. some things that you find, most of these movies, they got out like The Great Gatsby. It's like, oh, okay, they had one. Then a lot of these new movies that you think are new are remakes from black and white. I will, I will kill for a black and white movie. I love my black and white movie. Imitation of Life, even though it wasn't black and white, but it was classic. I love those type of movies, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. the Clothing that mm-hmm. they wore. Those were the days, nice. yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. I bet, I bet professors be having they look. I bet they be mad like, darn it, you, you going out the easy way? Because my professor now, he was different. When I was taking film class, he stuck to the mm-hmm. XL Canon. Um, he was just really old school. There was there mm-hmm. was not too much of technology in his class that you could use, and it was like, okay, I'm I'm not really getting enough space. Yeah, he stuck to the old school all the way. But at the moment, speaking on this project, have you, because I know you were going to go to crowdfunding to get your startup money, mm-hmm. so how's that coming along? That's coming along great. You're doing it next year? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm still planning on doing the crowdfunding starting in January, and I'll certainly be putting out some news in the press when it takes off. But as of right now, it's it's kind of it's starting to take on a life of its own. I've been spending the last month or two doing a lot of you know time on the Internet just trying to share with different horror sites and bloggers and I've had a, what was starting to be a trickle of random emails from fans that saw the trailer turn into a kind of a steady stream. And yeah, I think, I think these are going really well. It's, you know, it's hard to gauge, but you know, we'll, we'll know for sure when I ask people for money, <laughs> you know, put your money where your mouth is. Do you really want to, do you really want to see this right. movie made? But I think it's going great. I mean, uh, and just, again, like anytime I get a chance to show that trailer to somebody who hasn't seen it yet, I get a, an amazing response. So I, I think the public, uh, the horror community is certainly ready for a movie like this. And I think they're going to vote with their pocketbooks, at least to get us up off the ground. Right. We always look for a different, different element when it comes to horror movies. You know, of course we love our mm-hmm. Friday 13 Halloween, but we always, always looking for something a little spicier. What's going to make that different. Basically what is going to make your film different from most horror movies, Scott? Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to have uh, mutated monster cats, for one. I don't think I've ever seen that done, at least certainly not the way I want to do it. And uh, you know, outside of that, I, it's maybe not to say what's going to make it different, but what's going to make it uh, the same as some of the good films we talked about, right? And then right. I, I plan on spending a lot of time making sure my characters are well-developed and they're relatable, and I want people to be able to, uh, you know, start watching this story on the screen and say, you know, I, there's something about that person that's like me. And that's the first step in getting them to suspend their disbelief on what's about to happen. And then from that point on, I'm just going to, you know, do my best to paint a different version of reality in which uh, a couple of people try to be good Samaritans to bring a cat in off the street and suddenly they're trapped in a house full of monsters. <laughs> that is definitely going to be a twist. Now see, no one's not going to want to actually pick up a cat now. They're going to look at the cat right. and be like, no, nope, I, you're not coming in. Because I know I'm going to probably be the one, nope. Sorry, not today. And I actually had a cat that was trying to come yeah. to my house. It was so pretty. I was no. like, you're not coming up today. You got fleas. Get up on my porch. Yeah, yeah. But that's I was just... not going to want to bring in now. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think a lot of people know, Scott, that 
trying to get a film into production, it takes a lot of work because you haven't even started shooting that, have you? No, no, no. Just uh, everything I've done was to get that trailer filmed, and that even took a lot of work. You know, I had to I had to get together and make the monsters and organize the shoot. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of my friends who are busy working professionals here in Hollywood, so it was tough to get everyone together to, to, to make it happen. And like you said about a movie, boy, if you want to get a feature film off the ground, uh, it's tough. you got to find financial backing, and a lot of the financial backing comes from, you know, is somebody interested in seeing this star, you know, in this role? And then you got to find out, is that star interested in that role? And then are they committed to doing it? Do they have the time? Or do they have the time when it works for you? And, and this happens with so many different factors, you know, it's a uh, – it's difficult. It's, it's, it's a giant logistical challenge to make it all kind of come together. And, and then especially to, to get the kind of movie you wanted to make, you know, because as, as you have uh, more large investors, you know, when your investors go from being one or two people or a single fund or entity to maybe, you know, half a dozen people, you know, they all, that all comes with some strings attached, right? Everybody has an idea of what they think the movie should be. And then pretty soon, you know, a lot of things are happening by committee, and it can be very difficult to, to still keep people on board with, and, you know, remember, we were talking about a monster movie with, with cats, right? <laughs> That's the kind of movie we're here to right. make. It can be tough to keep everyone holding hands and, you know, marching in the same direction, so... Right, and I can understand that because that's a tough idea to try to really sell to someone. Okay, you're talking about cats. Where are we going with this now? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think like like the person you got to just fit the fit your game to. Like, hey, I'm doing a movie about cats. Okay, so what's next about these cats? Are they gonna right. be scary? Right. How they gonna look? I'm already intrigued into it because a scary, hairy looking cat that ugly is scary to me. Because I went there heavy in my house. That was scary just looking at it. I said, ooh. Oh, my goodness. I said, oh, the ugly old thing. My husband started laughing. I said, is that ugly? <laughs> so, of course, of course, everything will have to be on point when we do this. Um, how important is sound to a movie like this? Oh, i got to tell you, I think, I think sound is half of the movie in every situation. You know, when you start doing screenwriting classes, the first thing they tell you is, uh, look, all you can write about on your, in your screenplay is what you can see or what you can hear from that screen, you know? So there it is. It's, it's half of it right there. You know, film is certainly a visual media, but it's tough to stay involved and relaxed and enjoy a narrative if you start hearing sound issues. You hear uh, things clicking in the background or you hear, uh, you know, someone's voice didn't sound quite right. And on top of that, when you know, I think I'm assuming when you say sound, you also are including you know musical score. That's also a, you know a giant tool in the filmmaker's toolbox to help create a mood and give the viewer subtle cues as to what things are changing. And that's it's just it's tantamount. You have to have it. It has to be good, you know. And the, in another mm-hmm. film I produced, 2013's House of Bad, uh, you know, we delayed the release of that film by a couple of months because we needed to get the sound. We, we did a showing and realized that uh, on the final output, the sound wasn't clear enough for most people. And that was really disappointing. So I went ahead and got back into the post-production facilities and found a, a couple of great studio mixers, and they came through and really cleaned it up. And I'm really glad we took the time to do it because it, it, you know, it, was, a, it was a big sticking point. We showed that film at a couple of festivals, mm-hmm. and I got two reactions from everybody. And, wow, it was great. I wish I could have heard what people oh, were good. saying in some places. You know, and that was just, that was a real backbreaker. So sound is, it's as important as everything else. You know, I think uh, that's something you realize when you start working with a film in in post-production, like once you've shot everything and now you got to assemble it all, you come to realize, wow, there's, there's nothing you can cheat on when you're trying to make a movie. You you have to have what you have to have all the way through because when you don't, it really shows. And that's, and that's the part that takes people out of, that, that, you know, that 120 minutes where they're not thinking about their lives. And certainly when we, uh, when we get to that place, I want you to be able to sit down and watch my movie and you get to the end and realize, wow, I, I couldn't think about anything else but what I was watching right at that moment. You know? it's ama- it is. It's amazing how technology has over the years. 
you had movies that were produced without sounds over 100 years ago. Like, it's amazing right. now that has to be part of your movie. Like, can I get away? I wonder if somebody ever tried to chance that. I don't think I have seen no one chance that again. Like, try to do a movie that's silent. I don't think I don't think so. Not a not anything that's in color. I don't think so. But that's amazing that it has to be anything. Yeah, I've seen a couple of films pop up in the indie circuit over the last ten years where they uh, tried to go a little bit throwback and instead of have you know no dialogue, but they just have a running score kind of dubbed over the top of everything and. Yeah, I know. I think uh, I think audiences are past that now. I think it has to, it would have to be a really really select artistic thing to work again. Right. And I'm glad to see more women getting into film. But I, I think back then, I think because I think 1915 is when cinema actually actually started. But the women then they were given exciting roles during that time. It probably wasn't as much exciting like we have today, but as far as what they consider exciting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, you bring that up. There's a lot of big, big blockbuster movies now coming out of Hollywood, and a lot of people would agree that they're, they're, they're as entertaining as ever. But I'm kind of under the impression that some of the roles for women have become very uh, repeated. You know, you have a mm-hmm. – there's, there's always a heroine that's, that's helping the hero, you know, and – and really, she seems to be there only to reflect off his ideas. And I think that some of the classic films you, you see, maybe you pointed out even in film school, like you know, Casablanca, where you look at mm-hmm. the amazing dialogue in Casablanca and you realize that, uh, uh, oh boy, now, now all of a sudden her name escapes me. Uh, the female lead in Casablanca had some dynamic dialogue and, and was so intricately a part of everything happening in that movie. And you look at the, you compare that to now and say, maybe Scarlett Johansson in the latest Avengers film. I mean, yeah, she gets to do a lot of the butt kicking like the guys, but she's still a pretty static character in a lot of ways as Black Widow, you know. And I just, I, I kind of wonder like why why we have to be stuck with that kind of mode. I mean, I think I think we could do better. Right. It is. It, I, I notice throughout films all the time. It's always. The women usually have to play the helpless victim or throughout the movie and it's notice it's it's very noticeable. If you take a film class, you will definitely be figuring out all those points. Be you won't Indeed. just be figuring out the low and high angles, but you get real deep into it. Oh, don't even get me started, Scott, on cartoons. Child, I don't even want to watch a Disney cartoon after I took a um class on that. People say, You taking class on Disney cartoons? I said, It's not what you think. It's deeper than a Disney cartoon. We went all the way in and analyzed. I was like, you know what? Wow, the Little Mermaid, you kind of filthy now. You're not the same Little Mermaid I thought you were. This is too bestish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you broke it down. I was like, whoa. Are we on? You, how you go from the, in the cave to puberty? I I don't understand. Like she, And when I watch it now and I think about everything I learned, I'm like, you know what? Bless my children. Because they don't know the things I learned. <laughs> yeah, right. I this. I, but I'll tell you another good blockbuster. During that time, the 1915, um, the record breaking, the tourist, the birth of a nation, which they actually made another remake of it. Uh, right now I'm hearing that that's even better. But that was a good blockbuster during that time. But these like like you said, this time of the silent era, nobody in particular had the technology. We're talking about when uh, Reconstruction era, nobody had technology. So I really commend those guys and women, men, for doing what they actually had to do to get the films out for us to be able to watch today. Um, <laughs> really do. Well, um, certainly. Let me ask you, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. When when you first got into horror, when were you first get when you when you were first getting started? Did you envision that you would work in horror a lot or do horror movies at all? Um, when you say getting started, like working in the industry, or just starting to be a, a fan of film? Um, just getting started, period. Working, getting started in the film industry, making mm. your well, way, yeah, becoming director. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, the first film I worked on in the industry was uh, the third installment of the Creep Show series. So I, uh, I had written a script and it had gotten picked up, and then I got to work on the production, and that's how I got started. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. here in Hollywood at the time, most of the independent films being made were horror films. And so, you know, stepping in under the title Creep Show, that was a pretty pretty good way to get going. I had been a, a fan of horror films, of all films, really. You know, I really enjoy everything on the visual media has to offer. But, uh, you know, that, that one is near and dear to my heart for some reason. And working on Creep Show was fantastic. So I just kind of assumed I would keep getting opportunities to work in horror films. And at right. the time, I was I was writing, and that's what I was writing with, with a couple other horror film ideas I was trying to flesh out into scripts while working here. And so, yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of did envision myself, you know, being a actually more of a horror writer for the most part. I didn't really become hands-on until I'd spent a couple of years working on set. And you know, there's something really uh, really magical about working on a film set, you know, or even visiting one for the first time and watching everybody do the work behind the scenes. Uh, it's kind of like being a part of a traveling circus, you know. You just, for whatever reason, you get into it and you you love it and you just stick with it, no matter how good or bad it is to you, you know. And I think if you talk to a lot of people who work behind the scenes, they'll they'll tell you the same thing more or less. But yeah, so so yeah, I I just uh, I kind of wanted to keep going with working in film, and I kind of want to do more on set. And suddenly, I don't know. I think maybe it was I, I've been in the industry a couple of years, and I realized you know what I I have everything I need to to start directing, and I started working with some friends and theater groups and stuff to, you know, start learning that trade. I got to, as working as an assistant director, I got to watch people, you know, up front and most of them first time directors struggle with the process. And, you know, it could be, it could be a tremendous challenge depending on how the people you're working with are motivated, you know, and, you know, you need your cast to be 100% professional and up for the job and, and fairly interested in what you're trying to do. And then you have to be able to, to respect that, you know, even though you're there to direct them, you know, they're bringing a skill set to the table just like everybody else. And they're not just pretty people, these actors that you've cast in your movie. So you need to be able to learn how to converse with each and every one of them in a way that lets them know you appreciate what they're doing. Because there's a lot of actors there that you can just say, okay, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that's not the kind of feedback they want. You know, they want to, they're always working on the craft. They always want to get better at what they do. They want to feel like what they're doing is contributing, and they need to hear right. from you, you know, when mm-hmm. you realize they just, they've contributed something special. And so there's a lot of nuances to, to being a director, and I, I, I was able to fortunately pick up a lot of that working as an assistant to a director every time, so I kind of learned on somebody else's dime, you know. And that... Right there, Scott, I will agree with you totally. That's with any industry out here, film, because I'm in the food industry, and we talk about the same thing. We don't always want to hear the negative. We want to hear the positive. What am I doing that was good? You know, that motivates people. People Mm -hmm. think sometimes when you tell people the negative stuff, oh, that's going to make you do better. No, it's actually not. It's going to probably piss me off and make me go left field because, now you just kind of splatter me. I don't mind critiquing, but tearing me apart is not the solution. So that is a good way because a good director, which makes a good leader, can have a good movie. If you suck, you gonna have your cast gonna suck because that that negative energy gonna flow off on them. And people don't think that because oh, it's just a movie. No, it's more than a movie. You got a whole cast, and for you to just have mm-hmm. the two main characters, uh, imagine what's going to be so much more, Scott, when you start producing way more than what you're doing right now and start hitting up having mm-hmm. 20 people on the cast. So, yeah, the attitude, the, the positive energy, it goes a long way. Now, Scott, when you start getting ready to film of next year, how much of it probably will be real compared to how much is actually going to be in the studio? Hmm. Uh, well, I'm not sure I understand. You mean uh, we're going to be going out and using real locations or how much will be inside of a studio or regarding the effects? Right, because right, that's, okay. I think that's sort of what I'm trying to point to, like how much of it you're going to probably be actually out on location more than uh, okay. in the studio. film takes place uh, mostly inside a house. 
So if if the situation is right, I would love to build the entire interior of the house I want to work with because being able to manipulate the floor, the ceiling, and the walls is going to allow us to do some really amazing effects with these practical puppets. Um, but outside of that, I'm definitely going to have to find a location somewhere, hopefully here in Hollywood, that is going to reflect where the story takes place, which the story actually does take place in, in Hollywood here. And I'm looking for you know, a, a more of a rundown neighborhood where we're sort of waiting for some urban re- rejuvenation to come through, you know. Uh, so I have to guess I'll probably be in practical locations maybe a week total of the shooting, and then three to four weeks will be in a soundstage, you know, reproducing this house that I want to work with. So by so the majority oh, of it will be on a soundstage if I'm lucky. Awesome. That that would be good. I heard some directors, such as the one for my favorite show, um, Power, where they go out on set and set. It's, it's difficult a little bit because the fact of the matter is you do actually have real people walking along the set or something like that because you're actually on real location. you got to deal with the wind. It's all different types of things you have to encounter when you're actually out on real location compared to in the studio, which you can control better. But, yeah, I definitely um with you on that one. Now, as far as it goes with you getting into filmmaking, which movies actually inspired you? Because I know Star Wars definitely was not one of your movies that um actually probably inspired <laughs> you, like most of us say. <laughs> I never could get oh. into Star Wars. I, I um, know. I, Scott, please forgive me on that. I love Harry Potter. I try. I do. I love Harry Potter, but I could never get into Star Wars. I don't. I don't know why. Hmm. And I grew up watching it. Right. <laughs> well, look. Uh, nothing against Star Wars. It just was not the film that inspired me to become a filmmaker. Um, I actually think that uh, some of the claymation classics growing up were the things that kind of inspired me to want to start to try to creating things on 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 screen myself. I just kind of didn't know how to go about it. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until later, I would say if there was one film that kind of like sparked it for me, uh, Stephen King's Misery. I loved that book. And then when I saw it, uh, you know, translated to film, I thought it was done so incredibly well. They managed to, managed to capture all the things out of the book that made it work. And, and, uh, Boy, the characters and the direction, everything in that film was was perfect, and that sort of clicked to me. It said, "said You know what? If you can, uh... hello, I'm here, Scott. Sorry about that. Oh boy, it looks me... like it was a little disconnection. Yes, I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, I was oh, that's how say I say that. Yeah, I think when I saw the translation of Stephen King's Misery from a great book to a great film, it, it sort of dawned on me that, hey, you know, because I had been writing for a while at that point doing fiction. I said, if, if I'm writing fiction that that's really resp- people are really responding to, then maybe I can make the leap because it doesn't have to be a complete loss or a complete change of everything that you, that you worked for. And that's when I started changing my efforts in writing towards screenplays. Oh, excellent. I mean, because I, I was like, I wonder what kind of influence, because everybody got an influential part in their life that really got them started into filmmaking. So while you're working on this production, are you doing any other productions as well, Scott? Well, I've always got a couple ideas, you know, sort of working on the back burner, but uh, right now, Moggy Creatures is my sole commitment, so no, I am just I'm working full time on Moggy Creatures and when you know, when the funding comes through, I'm pretty sure it is, when the funding comes through in January and gets us going, it's gonna be a, a more than a full time job sticking with that. So yeah, right oh. now it's just uh get that creature feature going and uh you know, show people you can get it done. Oh, uh no, that's right. So are you gonna are there gonna be any maybe computer generated in your in your movie as well? No, I'm uh, I'm going to do an all practical effects film 
just because mostly that's what I want to see. I want to see a, a well-done monster movie that uses primarily practical effects. And, and when I say primarily, what I mean is we're going to create actual monsters. They might be, you know, puppets. They might be animatronic. They might be whatever they need to be for the, the shot or the scene. And then in, in the post-production process, you know, there's always a little bit of a color correction and things like that. So there might be some computer aid there to uh, just, you know, flesh everything out because even the, the biggest the biggest practical effects movies certainly still use, you know, computer graphics to, to make everything look just right. You know, they add little details and usually it's in light or it's in uh, color. But so I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to try to make a promise that, hey, I'm not going to use one of the tools in the toolbox and, and still make this thing look awesome. But there isn't going to be any computer-generated motion or movement or anything of that nature. When you see a, a monster mutated cat on screen on my film, you're going to know that was something that was that was that's real, <laughs> as real as we can get oh. with monsters. <laughs> well, that's only I, I really agree with that. That's only being creative. That's going to really that's bringing out the creativity through all that, and you have to. You have so many people out there who are depending on you, looking for something of a different mix, so you got to bring it out. But what we're going to do, we're going to bring out more creativity because when we come back, we're going to probably get a little sneak peek of what trivia question Scott actually knows since he's a horror fan. So Uh-oh. I don't want anyone to <laughs> – I definitely don't want anyone to touch that down. We'll be right back after this. Okay. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. This is you over 30 years ago. Are we there yet? They're holding me over. Are we there yet? And this is your mom when you drive her back from therapy. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. AARP gives you the information to help care for your mom so that you can have patience with her just like she did with you. Visit aarp.org caregiving or call 1-877-333-5885 to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Are we there yet? Remember... Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. So, Scott, you're into the movies, and I can see that stuff right now. Do you get out to the movies much? Oh, boy. Uh, Not as much as I'd like to. Uh, You know, when, when you work in the movie business, the hours are really long and the commitments are pretty big, so... You kind of ironically end up not getting to see as many movies. You have to wait till holiday season. So I just uh, I just snuck out not recently, not too far long ago, and, and caught uh, a couple of films. But uh, mostly what I have to do is pick things up on Netflix or binge watch movies on the weekends. A couple mm-hmm. of years after they all come out. <laughs> I know that's right. I'm the same way. I I'm like that too. I'll probably go to the movies one day. Uh, probably try to watch about five or six movies at one time, but. I just I just a binge on it, but I am I'm a binge watcher. I'll wait till it comes out, uh, especially on demand sometimes. But it all depends if I have time, because I'm always usually busy and it's like, oh, I don't have time to watch. It. I got a TV and don't even watch it. So I either end up watching it on my phone or computer. So yeah. Now was there was there any one movie that probably just came out recently that really blew you away or that you thought was exceptional? Oh boy! Um, well, I just watched a, uh, a movie on Netflix. I've actually watched it a dozen times now. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I believe it was a 2013 release. It's an alien abduction movie titled Dark Skies. Uh, that one—that's just a—that's just a great slow-burning thriller. That the, the moment you start watching, you can tell something's weird, and it—it it just carries you all the way to the end. I just I can't I can't get enough of dark skies right now. Oh, I think I have heard of that. I'm gonna have to definitely 
check that out most definitely. But now we have to get into our horror movie trivia. Questions for Scott. Scott oh, is a horror movie fan. Yes. Okay, Scott, I'm not going to try to go too hard on you. But here's one. Director Tim Burton originally wanted uh-huh. Sammy Davis Jr. to play the lead role. He wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to play the lead role in his 19th horror comedy. What what horror comedy do you think that was? <laughs> oh boy, was that uh, boy was that Frank and Weenie? Man, yes. Wait a minute, huh? <laughs> yes. Oh, or was it? Or yes. was it Beetlejuice? Wait a minute. It was. It was Beetlejuice. It was Beetlejuice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, wow. and I love that movie. It was, that was my movie. Um, I just wanted to know, want you to know I haven't had any coffee yet today, so we're working on half brain cell capacity. <laughs> and of course, we should all know um, if I'm saying the name correctly. John La- Laura Quitt was the narrator in the 1974 film. The name of the film. Wow, John Larroquette narrating a, a horror film in 1974. Give me a second. Oh man, I know this. This one's a complete surprise. What is it? <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my gosh! God, how did I not recognize that one? Holy smokes! I, and I do actually, I do actually remember that. See, them with the classics. They don't know about these classics. Our children, especially my children, they just so used to the new, the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, ooh, Nicolas Cage had to eat a live cockroach in a 1989 film. Took him three takes. Which film was that one? Mm-hmm. 1989, Nicolas Cage. Uh, ate a cockroach. There's a lot of movies. Um... Was he in? That was a that was a that was a vampire movie. Um, oh boy! Mm-hmm. Was it was it wasn't Vampire's Kiss, was it? Yes, it was. Oh. <laughs> you are oh, good, man. Scott. You are a man. You you've got me on the Ooh. spot here. I don't know. I, that was a tough one. Holy fuck. You know, man, but you so are many, good. <laughs> so many good movies Scott there from the past. It. I know oh, they are. Scott proved it. He is a he is the man of horror movies. It took it takes a lot. And if you're a true fan, then you definitely you definitely know your stuff. Scott, so when are we planning on seeing this production? Sometime at the end of the year? Um, uh year? Well I want yeah, I want let's see, I want to start crowdfunding in January. I foresee being okay. able to start full production in April, and it's kind of ambitious, but I really, really, really want to release this movie for Halloween 2017. Oh, perfect timing! Perfect timing. Yeah. Well, we're gonna keep our we're gonna keep our fingers crossed. I know I am, Scott. So we can see this movie of October 2017, and I'm hoping for the best for you. You're on the right path, and you're doing it. I mean, the main thing is to get out there and do it. It's not an easy task, but if you have something set, the main thing is to let your goals be first. Focus on your goals. Get that action plan. If you don't have an action plan, that means you need to start. I always tell my listeners that now. Start now. But, Scott, I thank you so much for coming on, taking out time to give us a review of what we are waiting on. Moggy creatures. Ooh, the picture this. <laughs> oh, it's so hideous just looking at them cats. <laughs> but I do thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. And just to reiterate, if anybody's just now tuning in and have not seen this trailer, you can go to MoggyCreatures.com and watch it as many times as you like. And thank you so much. You are so welcome, Scott. Happy holidays to you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, my listeners, that gave us, gave me a little chill. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the Moggy Creatures to come on out. Oh, and when you go on the website, you better be careful because them cats are at you. Scary. 
But we're not done with this show. We have about 15 more minutes, and we're going to keep going. So I want you to make sure you stay tuned on Blog Talk Radio with the girl Technicia, the bright side with Technicia. This your boy, Soulja Boy, tell him, right? Right, right. Ooh, ooh. I was up in the mall, man. This big fat police dude what? was chasing me. I looked back at him. I said, what's your problem, guy? He said, hey, you there. Hey, you there. You there. Hey, you there. Yeah. Hey, hey, you there. You there. Hey, you there. What? Hey. What? There. What?
for my second minutes. I was go to the all mighty dollar in the all mighty power of that ch 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 chopper sister brother son daughter father motherfucker copper got the Maserati dancing on the bridge pussy popping tell the coppers ha 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 you can't catch them you can't stop them I go by them goon rules if you can't beat them then you pop them you can't man them then you mop them you can't stand them then you drop them you pop them cause we pop them like over red and baka. Motherfucker, I'm ill. Yeah. A million here, a million there. Sicilian bitch with long hair, with coconut every year. Like smoking the thinnest air. I open the Lamborghini, hoping them crack the semen. Like, look at that bastard Weezy. He's a beast, he's a dog, he's a motherfucking problem. Okay, you're a goon, but what's a goon to a goblin? Nothing, nothing. You ain't scaring nothing. On some faggot bullshit. Call him Dennis Rodman. Call me with your own peach. Call me on my socket. Never answer with this private. Damn, I hate a shy bitch Don't you hate a shy bitch? Yeah, I hate a shy bitch She ain't shy no more She changed her name to my bitch <laughs> Yeah, nigga, that's my bitch So when she asked for the money When you threw, don't be surprised, bitch And it ain't trickin' if you got it But you like a bitch with no ass You ain't got shit Motherfucker, I'm ill, not sick And I'm okay, but my watch sick Yeah, my drop sick Yeah, my clock Am I not sick? I'm ill. Motherfucker, I'm ill. Yeah. See, they say I'm rapping like Big J and Tupac. I'm straight 3,000. What is Erica Badu at? Who that? Who that? Say they gon' be Lil Wayne. My name ain't Big, but I keep that flame. Like, who that wanna do that? Boy, you knew that you that spoiler. And I be this shit. Now you got loose power. I don't owe you like two powers, but I would like for you to pay me by the hour. <laughs> and I'd rather be pushing flowers than to be in the pen sharing showers. <laughs> Tony told us this world was ours, and the Bible told us every girl was sour. Don't stay in the garden and don't smell her flower. Call me Mr. Carter, Mr. Lawnmower. So many bitches like I'm Michael Lowry Even when stuff on it, see she couldn't doubt me Motherfucker, I say life face shit without me Chrome lips poking out the coupe, look like it's pouting I do what I do and you do what you can do about it Bitch, I can turn a crack rock into a mountain Damn me, don't you compare me Cause there ain't nobody near me They don't see me, but they hear me They don't feel me, but they feel me I'm ill at
Your goals are saying to match 
either your mind expands to match your goals or your goals with strength to match your mind. I'll catch you next time on the bright side with Technisha and go out and enjoy your day. Rest for the day, as a matter of fact. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 